you're able to, uh, can open your Bible. It should be up on the screen as well. Yep. So this is Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Amen. And today we're going to be focusing on love, joy, and peace, those, those first three. So this is part two of Fruit of the Spirit. I'm just going to pray that God blesses our time and we'll, we'll uh, get right into it. Uh, Father, we just humbly come before you today. We thank you for this Sunday where we can gather together, Lord. Thank you that we have the freedom to do this. We don't have to worry yet about people bursting through the doors to arrest us for having this church meeting. And we have so many freedoms, Lord. You've blessed us so much in this nation. And yet, Lord, we know things are changing. And, and Lord, I, I just pray uh, that we would stand firmly on your word. I pray that as, as we go through Galatians uh, 5, the key verse today, lo- and talk about love and joy and peace, what that is. Lord, I, I just pray that you teach each of us something new today. Give us attentive ears. Give us soft hearts. Give us open minds uh, just to hear what your spirit is saying to us, Lord. I pray there wouldn't be one person who leaves today that wouldn't be inspired by something, challenged by something, convicted by something, encouraged uh, by, by uh, your word. Lord, I pray that you would, you would change us and make us more like your son today. We pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, I did an introductory talk, uh, Fruit of the Spirit Part 1, just kind of talked about that and, you know, what, what is fruit, how we should be bearing fruit. A good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. You will know them by their fruits, etc. cetera, uh, how fr- fruit is to be shared, things like that. Um, so yeah, last week was bear, bear and share good fruit. Uh, the big idea this week, big idea this week is to bear and share love, joy, and peace. So we're going to focus on those first three fruits. There, there's nine fruits listed in the fruit of the spirits. I've always, I've always wondered why thankfulness wasn't in there. <laughs> like, isn't thankfulness, you know, we're, command, we're commanded to be thankful in other places, but I think that might just be a byproduct of, of some of the other fruits. Anyway, uh, but there it is. Yeah, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Today we're going to focus on love, joy, and peace. So Valentine's Day, right around the corner. So this, would be, this could be a good verse to, to memorize. Let's get that theme verse up there again, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. And uh, I sang a song last week that our family sings. Anybody remember that? No, nobody? People are, people are they're kind of cr- cringing in the uh, <laughs> But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Hey, there we go. Raise your hand if you're embarrassed for me. <laughs> hey, there we go. Well, this is coming from an elementary music teacher. Takes a lot more than that to embarrass me. <laughs> Don't worry, there'll be more songs coming so you guys can, oh, he's singing again. But, but seriously, music helps you remember, right? Uh, so so put, put God's scripture to, to music. And, 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 and that's how it really gets hidden in your heart. You know, it's, it's, it's right there. It's so much easier to sing a song than just to cold memorize some phrase. And this, this, is, this is coming. I, I hope I don't need to start quoting the science of, you know, uh, how music engages the left side, the logical thinking part of the brain with the right side, creative thinking part of the brain and, and, and connects and makes neuron pathways between those sides. And so people who are musical technically happen to be much more creative and logical thinkers. Uh, and they, yeah, that's just, just how it is. So it 
trust, trust the science, okay? You know, it's, it's, so. <laughs> but we trust God who created science. Anyway, uh, God prefers fruits over the fruits of the spirit over religious nuts. Adrian Rogers, great quote. So God, <laughs> think about it. Oh, Pastor Paul, you seem to be a kind of a religious nut. Well, well, maybe so. But God prefers fruits of the spirit over religious nuts. Isn't that something? You know, some people are just so fanatical about their theology and this and my eschatology, blah, blah, blah. And, and they're, they're just, just the religion part, the, uh, you know, doing the same things over and over. And, and then they forget, wait a minute, what about, what about love and joy and peace and pay, these fruits of the spirit that we should be exemplifying over our religious preferences and traditions. Um, not that those things are bad, but uh, we should be showing the fruits of the Spirit e- even more so. So once again, with Valentine's Day around the corner, this is kind of a type of year where people are like, oh, yeah, love, I'm in love with this person, love that. What is love? And then you see signs in people's yards that say, Lo- love is love. What the heck is that supposed to mean? Love is love? You can't use a word to define itself. Have you guys ever thought about that? That's like my, my son saying, you know, hey, you know, what's, what's a kumquat? Well, kumquat, kumquat is kumquat. Easy. There you go. Did, did, that, did that help my son understand what a kumquat is by saying that kumquat is kumquat? Does anybody know what a kumquat is here? Yeah. Anyway? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Thank you. So, so, okay. Now, now does everybody have a better understanding of what a kumquat is? Instead of saying kumquat is kumquat, we said kumquat is, yeah, it's orange, citrus food, sour. Okay. Now I know what it is. So, and of course we know uh, when we see this sign, love is love, it's meant to exemplify, hey, it doesn't matter who you love or what you love or how many people you love at the same time, or if you love them before you transition to this, whatever, love, love is love. You know, that's, that's of course what they're wanting to mean. But, but when that word love is used, especially in context like this, it's, it's almost exclusively, correct me if I'm wrong, if it, but talking about eros love which is sexual in nature. You know, that's, that's one, of the, one of the Greek words for love, eros, which is, you know, that, that passionate sexual love. It's like, yep, I can just express my passionate feelings with and what and however many and whenever I want. Love is love. I mean, but we need to, we need to be asking ourselves, well, well, what is love? You know, because th- this, this tells us nothing. You know, love is love? That, that makes no sense. What, so what, what is love? Well, God is love, Okay. Now we're going to get a little better idea of what, of what love really is. So this is number one. First fruit of the Spirit is love, and God is love. And it tells us that in 1 John four sixteen. So we, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. That's who, it, who he is. It's part of his character. And of course, when we see this love, and love... Uh, Nearly every single time love is mentioned in the New Testament, there's, there's some exceptions, but, but mostly it, it, it's talking about agape love. Agape love. That's that, that's that unconditional love. It doesn't depend whether or not this person deserves it or earned it or whatever. It's like, I'm going to choose to love this person no matter what. That agape love. I will lay my life down for this person. You know, that's, that's what agape love is. You know, that, that's, that's what true love is. You know, and I think I might probably getting ahead of myself, but Jesus even said, you know, um, that, you know, this is how you, you, you know what love is, that a man lays down his life for his friend. You know, Je- Jesus showed that. 
That's what love is. So God, God is love. God showed his love for us when Christ died for us. When Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us. Some versions say demonstrates his love. So basically it's like he's, he's put, the, the Greek root for that, uh, like shows or demonstrates is he's, he's taking, he's putting his money where his mouth is. He's taking what he said and he's proving it by his actions. So that word shows or demonstrates means you're, you're literally proving through action that you mean what you say you mean. So, so God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you're ever in a position where, man, does God really love me? Did Jesus really forgive my sins? Just look, look to the cross and look no further. He showed us. He proved it to us by dying on the cross for our sins. While we were still sinners, there was nothing desirable or attractive about us before God sought us out, before we, we chose to accept his free gift of salvation. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He didn't save us because we were awesome or you're doing such a great job, Paul, way to go. I, you know, it's like, no, you're a sinner. You need my help. And then I want to use you to do great things for me. You remember, saved, not saved by good works, but saved to do good works. You know, we must also show the same love. We're commanded to show the same love. John, John 15, 12 through 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is my commandment. And that's what God really wants. He, want, he wants obedience. He doesn't want lip service. You know, as I've been reading through Jeremiah, like, oh, yep, they go into the temple. They say we love God, but, but their hearts are far from him. You know, they just, they just give God lip service. They show up at the temple and worship. And then during the week, they're going under trees and worshiping Asherah poles and bringing cakes to burn to the queen of heaven. They've got the kids involved in it. They're engaged in sexual morality. Uh, but then they show up and say that we love God. Well, guess what? They're not, they're not obeying God. And some of us sitting in this very room, might be thinking, well, I haven't been worshiping Asherah poles, but well, what else have you been worshiping? What else have you been bowing down to? What has your heart been elevating above Christ? And, and it's really, it's really easy to, I, I mean, what, what we talk about, that's what we love, right? It doesn't take very long. When you meet somebody, you will find out what they're passionate about, what they love by what they're talking about. Whether it's football or uh, politics or uh, their kids, um, you know, or, or maybe, maybe even Jesus, you know, and you hear him talking about Jesus the most, but just, and that, that's a challenge for me too. You know, what, what do I talk about the most? First John three sixteen. next slide here. Uh, but by this, we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So the question is for, uh, or a question for us today is, are you a John 3.16 Christian only, or are you also a 1 John 3.16 Christian? What do I mean by that? John 3.16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. He's going to forgive my sins, and I get to go to heaven. Well, 1 John 3.16 kind of takes that a step further. He laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So the question is, are you only a John 3.16 Christian, someone who just prayed the prayer to get your fire insurance? 
Or are you a 1 John 3.16 Christian who's also going out and living out your faith and laying down your life for others just as Jesus did for us? That's, that's what true love is. That's what true love is. So practically, what does love look like? Well, we've got an example right here, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Uh, I promised you another song. Maybe I'll spare you the rest. I, I, had, I have got a bunch of songs written down here today. But. So, so this one we put to the tune of Follow the Yellow Brick Road. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or reasonful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Do, 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 do. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. <laughs> Endures all things, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Hey, there we go. So hopefully the next time you read this, you're like, oh my goodness, yep, Yellow Brick Road, Pastor Paul, crazy. Get the shepherd's hook. Okay, no. (laughs) But then you remember, right? So there we go. This is what love looks like. Man, take, take a look at that. Pastor Paul, irritable, yep. Uh... A little arrogant sometimes, yep. My wife is way more kind than I am, I'll tell you that. Well, you guys know that. That's a no-brainer. Um, but I think we all, we all probably have some things to improve in uh, on that list, don't we? You know. Now, one, one thing I want to highlight that some of us probably don't really think about a lot is that love rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. I had a, past, a conversation with a pastor about this last Thursday. I won't tell you who it was, but we were talking about pronouns. And, uh, and he said, yeah, because I asked him, so, like, so when you've met with trans people, so you know it's biological male, but they are transitioning or prefer to be called by female. I mean, do, do you call them by those pronouns? He's like, oh, yeah, I do. I said, well, why do you do that? I said, well, because it's their preference. You know, I'm just kind of showing the love of Christ by, you know, just, uh, you, know, you, you know, so I don't hurt their feelings and call them with them. But I said, but love rejoices with the truth. So is it really loving for me to call someone something that they're not? Like, what if I came up and said, hey, everybody, I'm one of Santa's elves, and, and, and I want you to call me Elf Paul. Like, is, is that a loving thing to embrace a delusion that I'm living? I, I mean, I'm just asking, you know, it's, you know love, love rejoices with the truth. So, like, my, my opinion, you guys might have different opinions on this, but if love rejoices with the truth, and I know someone's a male, and I call that person she and her, Am I not embracing a lie, a delusion? Like, wouldn't it be more loving to say, like, hey, you know, thanks for telling me, but I mean, I, I know you were born a male and, and God loves you like that. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to call you him and his because, because that's the truth. That's the truth. And if you have a different opinion than that, that that's fine. But I mean, that, that's, that's kind of one of my, well, and the question is, you know, where do you draw the line? What if they want to be called a cat? What if they want to be called, um, you know, it, it could just go on and on. You know, and, and then lie, lie leads to the next lie, leads to the bigger lie. S- same with sexual sin. You guys know that. First it starts with sex outside of marriage. Then it starts with, uh, you know, having sex with other people while you're married. And then it leads to having sex with the opposite gender. Then it leads to having sex with children. Then sex with animals. I'm not making this up. This is what's happening. People are like marrying their pets these days. I don't know if you guys have seen those stories. They're, they're getting married to multiple people at the same time. You know, with the Disrespect for Marriage Act being passed, where, where do we draw the line? You know, and I, I, I don't look at this as any different. You know, it's, uh, anyway, love rejoices with the truth. So we need to remember that. The darkness does not like the truth because then it exposes their deeds of wickedness and their sin. So, so when you are ready to speak the truth in love, 
And, I, and, and once again, I, I'm not, I'm not saying, telling anyone to get angry or do name calling or say, oh, that's so stupid. I'm not, you know, it's like, no, no, no. You need to be gentle and have tact about it. But, but you're going to get pushback for rejoicing in the truth. And when we do that, to, to some people at least, it, it, it will make Jesus attractive to the world. There are people that are in their sin. They're living in darkness. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want the light to shine on them. But there are other people out there who are seeking for the, the, the truth. And, and when we're willing to do that, when we're willing to love them as God has commanded us and love them in spirit and in truth, um, that's going to make Jesus att- attractive to the world. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 34, 35. So, and, and people are craving for that. You know, COVID lockdowns just completely mess people up in regard to relationship, community. And now when they see believers that are loving each other, helping each other, bringing meals to people when they're sick, helping people, you know, all these things, people are like, wow, I want to have a group of people like that. I want to have a family like that that helps out in times of need. And that's, that's what's going to win people to Christ is by us living that love out. So here's a question for us. How can I better show Christ's love sharing it with the church and the world? How can I better show Christ's love sharing it with the church and the world? Remember, uh, in Psalm 97.10, this is kind of going back to that um, and uh, pronoun is just one example. There's many other more serious examples I could use, but in... Uh, in Psalm, in Psalm 97.10, it says, O you who love the Lord, hate evil. O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Wait a minute. I thought as Christians we weren't supposed to hate anything or anybody. Well, guess what? We're commanded to hate evil. Uh, Amos says the same thing. This is... Uh, this is Amos chapter 5, verse 15. Actually, starting in verse 14, Amos chapter 5, 14 and 15. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you as you have said. Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. So Christians, we're commanded to. I know there's a lot of people here that are just like, Oh yeah, let's just love everybody. Be nice, smiley. Jesus is kind. He helps people. Well, guess what? Jesus also hated evil. He called the Pharisees, the religious and political leaders of the day, a brood of vipers, sons of Satan. Was that loving? It was the truth, right? So it was, it was loving. He was speaking the truth to them. You guys are whitewashed tombs. You're all nice and pretty on the outside, but inside you're full of vileness and filth. He spoke the truth. Jesus, and remember, Jesus did not sin. Uh, it's, it's real easy to kind of just have a half gospel or a half picture of nice smiley face Jesus and forget about the part where he got a whip and turned over tables when people made his house into a den of robbers, right? Or the part where he called people, uh, his, 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 one of his top disciples, get behind me, Satan. He called Peter Satan. How dare Jesus do that? Don't you know that's not loving Jesus? <laughs> of course he knew. Okay. I hope you're getting my point. We, yes, we are, called, we are called to love what is good. We're also called to hate what is evil. To hate what is evil. Amen. 
Yep. It's like, yep, you, you have many other, yep. Perfect example, yep. Yeah, he had grace and mercy with the woman at the well, but he also made her aware of her sin. And then, you know, and the one that was caught in adultery said, okay, whoever has, whoever has, uh, or is without sin, cast the first stone. You know, Jesus would, should have been first in line for that, right? But then, but then what did he say to the woman? Go and sin no more. He didn't just say, yep, go keep living your life. How you no, go, I love you, I forgive you. Now, sin no more. Hate what's evil. Yep, very good. All right, we're going to zip through these other two. Um, I wanted to spend more time on love anyway, just because obviously God is love, really important. But joy, let's go to the next one here. Okay, so ne- next fruit of the Spirit, joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I love that. Uh, Nehemiah 8, verse 10. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. When we're living in that state of joy, it, it does give us strength. It strengthens our spirits. It gives us a will to live. I mean, even ask these people that got locked up in communist countries for years and years, Richard Wurmbrand, you know, without, without joy in the Lord, he, he surely would have, would have died, you know, without having some kind of hope, something to put his faith in. Uh, joy, joy gives us strength. So biblically, what does true joy consist of? Though, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not Now see him, you believe in him, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9. Very encouraging. Uh, The NIV says, "For, for you are receiving the end result of your faith. And that fills us with joy. There, there, there are better times coming, Christians. I know, so, you know, sometimes we, can, we see it on the news. Uh, other people talk about it, uh, painting these bleak, fi- uh, bleak futures uh, here, potential futures in America and in our lives. And yet we know the end is written. Jesus is coming back. He's going to make things right. We're, we're going we're gonna to obtain that outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. And, and that, that alone should fill us with joy. It's like, okay. We've, there's a battle to be fought now, but you know what? I know Jesus wins. I know Jesus wins. Um, and just to continue to let, let that give us joy. Uh, trials are an opportunity to show true joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. James 1, 2 through 3. Seems like an oxymoron. Man, I'm going through this hard trial and I'm supposed to be joyful about it? What? Yeah. It's an opportunity for us to grow, for us to trust God more. You know, uh, it, yeah, something that Richard Wormbrand said, Andrew Brunson, other, other people that I've seen their writings or heard from their mouth, they, they sometimes say, you know what, I, I, sometimes I wish I was back in prison because I was so much closer to God and I was, trust, I was trusting him so much more on a daily basis to sustain me. Now that I'm out of prison and I've got all these luxuries and freedom and stuff, it's like, man, yeah, I don't, I don't feel as close to God anymore because I, I don't need him as much. You know? And you know, when we go through trials, like, man, it just, it just puts us in that place where God's like, okay, it's, it's me or nothing. <laughs> you got you to gotta trust me. But you're, you know, and I think all of us know this, but you know, there is a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is circumstantial. You know, it's like, well, if things are going well for me. I got this cool new president. I'm going on this trip. Happy, happy, happy sitting on the beach. Uh, you know, oh, I'm so happy. You know, but, but joy is when you can have that, that fulfillment, that peace, that security in the Lord, even though circumstances are not in your favor. And just, and just being welling up with, with joy. So question is, how can I better understand, how can I better demonstrate true joy and share it with others? How can I better demonstrate true joy 
and share it with others. I shared this quote last week, but here it is again. This is by Haley DeMarco, The Fruitful Wife, Cultivating a Love Only God Can Produce. Here's what she says. I tend to make my joy a private experience and hoard all the fruit for myself, forgetting that the tree doesn't eat its own fruit, but presents it to others. Um, and on that note, there was a really good quote in the, the Jeremiah. So here's just a little taste of some wisdom from the Jeremiah Courage and a Council, Cancel Culture book. So he's talking about Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, saying, you know, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. And, and it talks about how, how even when the sun's shining, their, their, their leaves are still green. Even during seasons of drought, they're still producing fruit. And uh, Tony Perkins comments in here, he says, uh, and, and it's, very similar to Psalm 1-3 as well. You know, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So, so what, here's his commentary. Whatever he does will prosper or bring forth his fruit in season. That's what we want, to bring forth fruit in season. And think about it. Fruit is not for a tree to consume itself. The fruit of a tree is to bless others. So we are to be a blessing. So we need to take this fruit that God is producing in our lives and use it to bless others. Share your joy with others. You know, uh, I just um, allow other people to share their joy with you. You know, I get home from work. I've got 500 things on my mind. Whatever. Kids run me, dad, guess what? I drew, you know, and they're, they're just so joy, so excited about something. They, they want to share that with me, which, which, is, which is wonderful. Uh, we, we need to do that. We need to encourage each other. Share that love. Share that joy. Lastly, peace. Number three, and we'll wrap it up here. The peace of Christ should rule in our hearts. Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. One of my favorite verses. I'm, I'm, I know this is going to surprise a lot of you guys, but I'm, I'm uh, naturally just kind of more of a high... Uh, on-edge guy, you know, I, I've just, you know, I've got, I've, I've got things on my mind, I'm going here, thinking about this, I, I'm an achiever, I love getting stuff done, I've got that sense of duty, uh, things like that, and which obviously is a good thing, but can cause problems, and then I, I get, I get kind of worked up about things, I got to get this, and it, so a lot of my life, I feel like I'm rushing, and got to do this, and this, and this, and, and, and I'm not letting Christ's peace rule in my heart, and that's why I've preached on this in the past, like practicing the daily office, taking those times throughout the day. We're like, okay, Jesus, sometimes I say it begrudgingly. Okay, Lord, you're on the throne. I'm not. I'll sit here and submit to you, you know, and just have that time to be still before him, to meditate on some verses and, and just, uh, and how, you know, Christ needs to be the one ruling in our hearts uh, uh, just to experience that peace. How does the peace of God guard our hearts and minds? Well, Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So there we go. Prayer and thanksgiving is going to help guard our hearts and minds. And see, so once we do that, and, 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 and telling God, you know, let, let your requests be made known to God. Tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what you're thinking about. Say, here, Lord, I can't handle this. You take it. And then what happens? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any, any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Do we have any expert worriers around here? Well, guess what? <laughs> guess what? If you're really good at worrying, you can also be really good 
at meditating on God's peace and his truth and being at peace. Be like, okay, think, think about good things. Think about the attributes of God over and over. When we worry, we're thinking about something negative. A lot of times something that hasn't even happened yet, might happen, might not. And we're thinking about it over and over and over and over. Well, if you can do that, guess what? I trust you, Lord. I trust your goodness. And, and, and start thinking about those things over and over. So, so, so take, take your very well-developed skill of worrying and just take the negative part out of it and pl- take out that, you know, we used to have cassette players. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Take, take that junk tape out and then put in the truth tape and start playing that over and over instead. Like, okay, you're, I mean, you're already good at playing a message over and over in your head, so why not do a positive one instead of a negative one, right? And, that, and then you'll have that, that peace, thinking about good things. So what is, asked, what, what is God asking me? Sorry. Oh, and then share it with others. Skip. Yep, so, so 2 Corinthians 1, 2 through 4. So, so we... Uh, we need to share that peace and comfort with others as well. So grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. When we learn to live in a state of peace, and I know there's some people out here that when I talk to them, like, Man, I just feel a lot more at peace after talking. I mean, there, there's some people that just, you know, it, more of a natural tendency. I'm so thankful for those people because I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm uptight. Go, go. Okay, calm down, Paul. Okay. You know, you just kind of feel refreshed after talking to those people. It's like, okay, they, they've learned how to experience God's peace, how to be comforted. And then, and then they can share that same peace and comfort with others in, in their times of need. You know, once again, share, sharing that fruit, sharing that fruit. So uh, what is God asking me here? Here's the question. What is God asking me to give to him so that I can embrace his peace and share it with others? Maybe think of something right now, a trial, a potential thing that could go wrong, maybe hasn't yet. Uh, give, it, give it to him. Give it to the Lord. Let, let him handle it. Um, another question we can ask ourselves, are, are you a true peacemaker? Remember, peace, peace doesn't mean everyone's just getting along and we're all holding hands and singing kumbaya. That's, that's not what true peace is. True peace, shalom, that's when everything is as it should be. It's, it's complete. It's whole. Like, like in the Garden of Eden, when God first made it before Adam and Eve messed up, that was shalom. Everything was in place as it's supposed to be. Of course, sin entered in and now we're not in that state of shalom, whatever. And, and, and in order for things to be as they should be, there's going to be some conflict because people rebel against God. They rebel against his truth. They want to go their own way. So in order for Jesus, when he comes back to bring his peace, there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a war before that true peace can be, can be brought in. So, so my encouragement to you, don't be, a tr- don't be a false peacemaker. Don't be someone who's like, okay, as long as everyone's not fighting and we're all getting it wrong, that means we're all at peace and everything's fine. Well, a lot of times when we have that mentality, there's unspoken things that aren't being dealt with and we're really not in a true state of peace. We're kind of just in a state of like tolerance. I hate even using that word because it's such a buzzword these days, but it's like, okay, I'm going to tolerate these people. I'll not put on a show, but I, I really am not even happy to be here because of what this person said to me and that person did this. And blah, blah, blah. You know, a lot of ha- happens over holidays a lot, probably like, okay, let's just not bring up this topic and we'll be, we'll be okay. You know, and then somebody brings it up and then people start bickering and then, and then the, and then the people, oh, I don't want to have all this fighting, you know, uh, but we, we, we need to, we need to pursue true peace and, and that's, and that's difficult. That's difficult. Don't be a false peacemaker. All right. I think that's enough for today. So big idea once again. Bear and share love, joy, 
and peace. Bear and share love, joy, and peace. Not an easy task. Not an easy task. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and pray. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, close with one song, Lord's Prayer. Let, let's go ahead and stand up uh, together. We'll, we'll pray, and then we'll sing the Lord's Prayer together. Yeah, Father, we just thank you for this time. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would be a people who share and bear these fruits of the Spirit, Lord, particularly today, love, joy, and peace. We need your mercy. We need your grace to do this, Lord. We can't do it on our own. Uh, So I just pray that you would be working in our hearts and minds and uh, help us to trust you. Help us to give you these thoughts and concerns that are too much for us, Lord. God, I pray that you give us true joy, knowing that when you allow difficulties, trials in our lives, that you're, you're training us. And my goodness, what an honor for the God of the universe to be working on each of us here, to be refining us, to be taking the time to make us more like your son. Lord, I pray we'd find, find joy in those trials. And Lord, above all, I pray that we would put on love. We'd put on true love. Lord, help us to have that agape love we, where we are willing to lay down our lives for our brothers, just as you did for us, Jesus. I pray we demonstrate that true love to the world and that that uh, would draw people into your presence. Be like, you know what? I want to have a love like that where someone's got my back, where someone's serving me, where they're going out of their way to be a blessing, making sacrifices. That's, that's what true love is. I pray we'd show that this week, this Valentine's Day, uh, and in the days to come, Lord, because we know that the world is growing dark. Uh, it's growing more evil. It's, people are more filled with hate. Lord, I pray that you'd fill our hearts with love. We, I pray we wouldn't be afraid to speak the truth in, in love. Give us wisdom and tact on how to best do that in an honoring way to you. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.